There are some really, really good Knippelmeyer Chevrolet texts that we're going to get to coming up at the bottom of this hour. Uh, a couple of things here quickly. Quickly, we do have a lot of Friday games still for you on krefsports.tv. Tonight, though, at 7 o'clock, Southmore is at Norman North. That's at 7 p.m. And then at 7 o'clock, it's Enid at Westmore. So that is available right now at, uh, well, not right now, tonight at krefsports.tv. And then on Friday night, a quadruple header of football action. Edmund Santa Fe is at Norman. Moore is at Jinx. Lawton is at Deer Creek. And UConn is out of Wasso. You think that one of these days, Perry will let me do one of these games? Just because I kind of miss calling play-by-play of football. Just I'd, one, Perry. I'd love to have you sit in uh, and do a game with me. I'd love that. I would. Do you know what happened? I've got a great story. There's two people listening right now that probably remember this. Two. But I'm going to placate those two. Josh, way back in 2000, 23 years ago, I did play-by-play of one of the greatest Jinx Union games ever. Maybe, maybe, even though I was a little bit more high-pitched then, a little bit more tinny in the voice, first down. <laughs> uh, I did it with Michael Del Giorno, who spent the whole time trying to do a talk show and talking about which party we were going to go to after the game. And if the party was at, like, I think Case McCoy was the, hey, the party's at Case McCoy's house. And I'm like, that's great, Michael. Third down and five, you know, it's just, it literally was his, it was his stand-up. The greatest game I ever did, Josh. <laughs> These are high school kids. Third down and yeah. four. Yeah, third down and four, Michael. We're not going to any party after the game. Oh, God. But, yeah, it um, it never saw the light of day. So I just I don't want to risk ever turning your professional broadcast into shtick time, which I would never do. So I would need to really research. So it's either – you know, someone's saying, we'll give you the call on, like, Lawton at Deer Creek or Josh. Someday I can reach my ultimate goal, which is to call Washington Warrior football. But they got a good crew. Their sideline guy, man, he's legit. They're legit. I'm learning from them. But we've got you covered unlike anyone else when it comes to high school football. KRefSports.tv. That's KRefSports.tv. <laughs> yeah, Chris Ray. It was definitely a much different time. <laughs> It's uh, what, What's the line that Stewie used on Brian Griffin? He's like, geez, Brian, it's not 2007 anymore. You can't say that. <laughs> that's, that's right. It's Yeah, it's a different world. That's correct. It's a much different world. All right. Um, what else do we have? We had one more thing that I told Perry we were going to mention. Oh, thank, thank you. My brain pops up just at the right time. We have an awesome event that's in town this weekend. And... If you listen to this show with any regularity, you know that I love disc golf. I love playing it. I just don't get to play it anymore, and I suck at it. But there's a really cool event that's coming up on Saturday, October 14th from 10 to 7 at Cobblestone Creek Golf Course. It's uh, an unforgettable experience, which has taken the course and designed it to accommodate players of all ages and skill levels. Everyone can participate. The festival features an 18-hole PDGA competitive players course, an 18-hole putting course. It's really, it's really awesome. And it's for uh, our friends over at Habitat for Humanity. So you can go to roserockhabitat.org slash golf. That's this Saturday from 10 to 7 
it sounds like it's going to be an awesome event. Roserockhabitat.org slash disc-golf. That's a lot of slashes and dashes. I can make it easy. If you want more information, hit us up on Twitter at Plank Show at Josh on Rap. All right, you ready? Let's do this thing. It is time for the top five stories of the day. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Yeah, I was uh, I was pretty sure that was going to be the last broadcast I ever got to do back in 2000. Thankfully, we persevered. Newcastle Casino, 14 table games, I-44, exit 107, 24-7, 365. They've got you covered and online at newcastlecasino.com. Big story number five. Number five. So, Josh, Sooner softball. Looks like they're still going to be pretty good. Um, last night, the OU softball team played its first game in the battle series. And if you missed it, it was pretty impressive. Uh, things that I took away from the amount I got to watch, Jada Coleman still really good at softball. She had three hits last night, a couple of runs batted in. Uh, Sid Sanders and Quincy Lilio did not play, but they were there. T.R.A. Jennings had a double. All the newcomers seemed to make an impact in some way, shape, or form. Cassidy Pickering had a home run. Uh, Maya Bland had a home run. Ella Parker had a single and a walk. And Kelly Maxwell, three innings, a couple of hits, uh, did allow a run, but that was it. So a a solid first night for the Oklahoma Sooners in the Battle Series. They'll play again next Wednesday. Uh, and I'm, I don't know, Josh, I'm, I'm just excited to see more of this team. We got a ways to go, right? It's not going to be until February, that first weekend. It's uh, Super Bowl weekend. But – uh, a, a pretty solid start. Let me see how this audio sounds, courtesy of AllSooners.com, Coach Castle afterwards. I think that we're back doing this already. I think it just feels like we just left the field not too long ago. But uh, we, our freshmen are really showing well, so I'm really excited about that. I think our pitching staff showed very well tonight against this hitting um, crew. I thought our defense was pretty good. We've got to clean a few things up. We've still got a long way to go. I think there was nerves tonight as well. But I'm happy. I'm excited about this group and uh, their capability and the direction we're going. Our practices are we're working. We're working pretty hard each day. So felt good about tonight. There you go. So game one of the battle series. Meanwhile, the OU volleyball team loses in five sets last night to TCU, still searching out its first Big 12 win of the season. And tonight, Josh, on the pitch, OU soccer, John Crane Field, OU versus Texas. There's an update from That's a big Sooner. one. Big one. Need that dub. All right, number four. Big number story. four. You might notice something as we roll through these top five stories of the day that there is no baseball that is being mentioned. Well, that's because the baseball season came to an end last <laughs> that's night. That's right. So. It's over. Well, Sorry, why would we guys. talk about something as uh, pointless and right. silly mm-hmm. and depressing as that? <laughs> Who cares about baseball right now? <laughs> uh, Kansas got three years probation, had to vacate 15 wins, and the IARP decided that Bill Self did not need any further punishment. In fact, they minimized. They minimized 
the rules that have been broken. Yes, all of this stems from Kansas's involvement and the discovery that came about in the infamous FBI investigation into college basketball, a story that's been around since 2017 and involves Sylvia DeSouza. But DeSouza? DeSouza. That's what I was always confused about. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody knows because, again, he was not an impact guy, really. Fair enough. I'll go with D'Souza. Um, Kentucky has taken the all-time wins lead away from Kansas now that Kansas has lost 15 wins. Um, the school got its high-profile case of five level one allegations from the NCAA reduced to the level two and level three variety, and the program avoided a postseason Man, anything else to really take away from this that caught your eye, Josh? Uh, I mean, obviously, by and large, this winds up being not all that bad for, for KU. They lose the 2018 official recognition of the Final Four, but everybody – I mean, even the stories I'm reading are like, well, unofficially they've got X amount of Final Fours, but officially they have this. It's like, okay, so what are we even doing here? It's like nobody even really – you still went to the final four. So they, the, the scholarships and what was going to happen to bill self was the big thing. Sure. They vacated a couple of wins, but uh, they, they didn't get punished all that much. Mm, Not at all. Not at all. So there's the update. The school will go on three years probation. Uh, Another byproduct of this is that the record for consecutive NCAA tournament appearances snapped. Apparently, Apparently, they didn't roll in 2018, and, Josh. And let me go ahead and tell you, that will likewise be a uh, CBS graphic of, well, unofficially, though, here's Kansas. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, we know what this says now, but we all know. All right. Big story number three. Number three. We got a big weekend coming up in college football. But we're in a strand, I guess it's, what, 42 straight days with football Last night we had the the two games, UTEP beat Florida International. Uh, New Mexico State took care of Sam Houston State. But tonight, tonight, Josh, there's some interesting games, especially in the Big 12. Josh, tonight you get West Virginia and Houston. And as it stands right now, West Virginia, outside of Oklahoma, would be the odds-on leader in the clubhouse to make the Big 12 tournament, Big 12 championship game. Now they got a long way to go and a much more difficult schedule, but they're undefeated so far in conference play. And this is a weird line; they're only a three-point favorite over a Houston team that has not looked adequately equipped to handle Big 12 play. What do you make of this tonight? Well, I'm excited to see how this plays out. West Virginia, is there any chance they're the third best team in this conference? Yes. Can I tell you why? Because the rest of the conference is is very good. Yeah. I don't think it's very good. Um and and that sucks. They they put a little pressure on Will Howard and he started throwing like he was a left handed dude throwing with his right hand Friday night. Texas Tech looked really good against Baylor, but they, they haven't been that consistently. Baylor, I mean, you got your athletic director now coming out talking about what they need to do offensively. I mean, that's never a good sign. <laughs> Could you imagine, Josie? Yeah, you know, I've had a conversation with Brent about what he needs to do offensively, and 
you know, maybe they need to do more job of running some inside zone. Like, could you even imagine that? And that's what's going on in Baylor right now. So I think there's a chance. But, but every since Tennessee and Florida, Josh, lines that seem too good to be real scare me. And this seems like, this seems like free money. This seems like stealing candy from a baby. This seems like an absolute slam dunk with Houston basically, or with West Virginia basically giving up three. And Houston, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I feel like that, I feel like this could be a route tonight. And by routes, I just want you guys to know, a route for West Virginia is like 17 to three. Right. <laughs> West, West Virginia... West Virginia plays the, we're going to deflate the football and bore the hell out of you. Meanwhile, Houston, in its last two Big 12 games, has been outscored by a combined score of like 85 to 40. So, I I don't know, man. Just in case you've not been keeping up with things out uh, east with West Virginia, here's their last three Final yeah, scores, okay? They're like the Raiders. Seventeen to six over Pittsburgh. Twenty to thirteen they won over Texas Tech. Twenty four twenty one they beat TCU, which hey, I am not okay. I'm just saying not altogether super exciting to some, but a win <laughs> is a win is a win three times in a row versus power five competition. So with that's a lot on tonight's game, but I want you to think about this for tomorrow's show. Who is the third best team in the Big Twelve right now? I don't know. I and I, okay. you know, I, take, I might be able to remove. Time. I might be able to remove a team from the conversation <laughs> after tonight. We'll see, but uh, I don't know that I'm going to be any closer to deciding that after this evening. That, it is the Dana Holgerson Bowl, by the way. It is the Holgerson Bowl, but it seems like it would mean more if it was in West Virginia, right? Yeah, they ought to just flip it just on a whim. Let's go play yeah. this over there instead. Uh, let's get to big story number two. Number two, dude. Speaking of teams that could name their number, do you are, do you even have to watch tonight? I mean, do you even have to keep tabs on tonight? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. You got to keep tabs. I mean, my gosh, it's it's the prototypical. No way we see it happening. Upset game. They've beaten Denver a million times in a row. Denver's been horrible. The defense was embarrassed and gave up 70 earlier this season. Right. But it is a quick turnaround for a Kansas City team that, look, has not been just a bunch of world beaters. I, they've won four in a row. Right. I expect Kansas City to win this game relatively comfortably. But uh, it's kind of a tailor-made NFL surprise, surprise spot. Do you know the last time the Chiefs lost to the Broncos? It, uh, it would have been what? In 15, right? 2015. 2015 because it, and it was the year that the Broncos won the Super Bowl was it not yeah it was Peyton Manning and because that year that they went and won at Denver was there was no way to predict that that Chiefs team was going to go do that to that Denver team and sure enough they did and they haven't lost to him since that was was that Alex Smith's first year or was it his second year it might have been his second I want to say might I want to say it was actually like his third year oh really okay okay you guys still first won good the, year. Yeah, I still won the wild card game that year. But yeah, 2015. 
was the last time. Now I, I've got it. I've got a ton of audio that we're going to get to after the bottom of the hour, but we'll save it uh, due to the constraints of the broadcast clock and bring you big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Oh. All right. When we uh, well, first of all, Daniel Akinkumi did indeed commit to the University of Oklahoma this morning. The big offensive lineman. Parker Thune is coming up in about 30 minutes from now, and he's going to have uh, 40 minutes from now, and he's going to have a ton on the newest, biggest addition to the Oklahoma Sooner offensive line and kind of the impact he thinks he can make. And I guess, what did Parker say? He was on a Zoom call with him afterwards, so maybe we'll get to hear a little bit more from that. But, yeah, I, I, I was really excited for that. And then Danny Stutzman, speaking of guys making the round yesterday, Danny Stutzman was on with Pat McAfee. And we're going to share a little bit of what Stutz had to say when we come back next. In the meantime, that's your top five stories of the day. OU is off this weekend. So from a Sooner perspective, we count down to UCF next Saturday morning at 11 a.m. We continue to look back on our mid-season scoonies, our awards, right here on The Ref. Stick around. Hi, welcome back into the home of Sooner fans. We are The Ref with Josh on plank. <laughs> Tons to get to, and not a lot of time to get there. In the meantime, Josh, did did you take – well, we were on the air, so we didn't really get to see much of it. But I loved all the clips that were making the round with Danny Stutzman on – with Pat McAfee yesterday. Uh, here's a few of them. This was Stutzman on his relationship – with the boss, who I, I, I brought this up the other day, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Brian Bosworth was everywhere on Saturday, Josh. Everywhere on that sideline. It was awesome to see. Here's what Stutzman said about his relationship with the boss. The entire game, the boss on the sideline, you know, when you're one of the greatest linebackers to ever play, you know, really kind of revolutionized the position. You know, when he tells you something and, you know, when he's like, you got to find the over by the tight end, you know. Obviously, that's your, you're thinking that right away, man. This guy knows what he's talking about. And, you know, the boss is, you know, he's come by. He's been a part of the program a lot more. You know, he spoke to the team, you know, before the season. He spoke to the team last year. It's all about mindset and attitude and how the guy handles himself, man. So every, anything he says, I'm like, I'm like a sponge for that knowledge, man, because, you know, he's been through it. He knows exactly what it takes, exactly what it looks like. Yeah, it's, yeah it was cool. He was, he was living it, Josh. I thought that was, that was one of the coolest things about Saturday was just watching Boz. <laughs> I hope you don't mind me saying that, Boz. But literally, Josh, he was in it unlike I've ever seen anyone down there. I mean, he was I, – I just – he was dialed in. He was the freaking Boz, man. It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> and he's been pretty vocal, you know, yeah. not, not just with us, but definitely uh, with us as well on this station over the years – about wanting to see this defense get back, right, to physical, punishing, relentless Sooner defense. And so for him to see Oklahoma in that stage in that game, not that it was perfect, we're all aware it wasn't, but uh, this defense, right, and Danny Stutzman, a a linebacker. I mean, guys like Brian Bosworth and Teddy Lehman, to see a linebacker doing this at OU, and it's not just Stutzman, but – He's the ringleader right now for Oklahoma defensively. Man, it's, it's got to make those guys so happy. It better. It should. It's got to make them feel like, all right, we're – I don't want to say we're back, 
but we have reestablished the first bus in mindset for the defense. All right, here is more Danny Stutzman on Jimmy Greenbeans. Start off with Coach Venables. You know, a lot of people don't know, but he's actually our scouting quarterback. And for your head coach to be the scouting quarterback and, you know, pick apart the defense, because realistically he, he built the defense. So when he's out there slinging the rock, you know, kind of embarrassing these dudes, you know, we have to, we have to bring it every single day. And, um, you know, that's the type of dude you want as your head coach, man. Someone's out. He'll, he'll, lower, he'll lower the shoulder. You know, he'll run you over. <laughs> Is he in pads? Is he in pads? He's not in pads, man, but you, hey, you'd be surprised, man. Coach V's a guy waking up at 5 a.m. to run stadiums. And uh, he actually hurt his meniscus, and he was still at practice, you know, slinging the rock, man. It doesn't take <laughs> any days off. Oh, no, he- <laughs> By the way, I'm sure that there are no curse words in this, but I still get a little bit fight or flighty whenever Pat starts talking. I'm like, oh, oh, no. And then uh, the pregame speech, right? The pregame speech. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma only fears God. Texas fears Oklahoma. Great line. Where'd it come from? Yeah, pretty much, man. I feel like I felt like I, I kind of remembered that D Hop clip of him talking about how he only fears God, and I kind of like kind of, kind of took apart from that, and then kind of made it my own. And I, because I remember uh, Dan Cody, you know, another crazy defensive end that played at Oklahoma, told me you always got to have a crazy speech. And so now I try to think of some uh, stuff to really get the guys going. But you know, kind of off the dome right there. If you want to get the guys pumped, obviously in a game like that at 11 a.m. A lot of emotion, man, you know, especially with um, a lot of people that don't believe in us. You know, like, like you yourself, uh, Pat, you know, like we saw the clip. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, hey, it's okay. That's what we need. I know now. <laughs> oh, I love this man. I Stutzman. love this man. Keeping receipts, baby. Keeping receipts. All right. Um, anything else from that that caught your ear yesterday before I hit some of these NFL clips? Outside of just, you know, you live in it. What what was what was uh, what was the Brent Venables line? Celebrate hard, but celebrate short. I think is um, it was much more creative than that. But hey, have this moment, enjoy it, immerse yourself in it. But in the end, you, you got you got work to do. Yeah, you got work to do. Unfinished business, if you will. You didn't win a national championship in the Cotton Bowl. You didn't win a Big 12 championship in the Cotton Bowl. So there's, yeah, still work to be done. But uh, obviously for Stutzman, I'm just happy to see him get some of this recognition nationally. That uh, is, you get these types of moments and you get that type of uh, applause and recognition when the team does well. And so, you know, for him, he gets to take a little bit of a victory lap. He deserves it. Here's the line. Celebrate hard, don't celebrate long. There you go. I mean, and the best line, the best line that Venables, I think, uh, used was in that press conference on Monday night where he's like, guys probably felt like we lost (laughs) with the way that we were going over the film. That's good. That's good. All right. I've got two NFL clips I want to get to here real quick before we grab a break and hit the best of the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. First of all, did you notice what this week has become? And we have... We have Get Up and First Take always on in studio because they're essentially the the sports shows that are on while we're on the air. But it's really, really become open season on DAC, right? So um, somehow, some way, Deion Sanders has a take on Dak Prescott. I 
Oh, I, I guess I'm here for it. Think about the 49ers. They have several players out there right now mm-hmm. that you know what you're going to get every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's several of them that you know what you're going to get. And the quarterback is playing out his mind. And he wasn't even slated to be one of those guys. And I don't watch the pro game much because I'm into the college game, but I had to see that. And I just felt bad for Dak. I really did. I felt bad for Dak because I think Dak is better than that. And I, I think he, he, he truly, he's going to show that, but I felt bad for him. And then there's Jerry Jones, who is like, oh, we can't change everything. One of the first things that uh, I ask myself in any situation, can we do some things different than we did against the 49ers? The answer is yes, we can. Uh, we certainly can make adjustments and, and uh, uh, will make those adjustments. We should recognize that we had a very bad outing, and, and San Francisco had a very good outing. We should recognize that and call it what it is and not mislead ourselves. But as far as sitting here saying that we should completely uh, change out the towels here, that's uh, that's not even in the cards. And it's not. It's really ridiculous. We're not completely changing out the, change out the towels. I don't think I've heard that analogy before. And speaking of changing out the towels, on the on the verge of playing a game against the Kansas City Chiefs, the winless Denver Broncos and their media are having a bit of a meltdown. Here's Mark Schlereth. The effort from our starting wide receivers. Yeah. Shame on Jerry Judy for even thinking he can utter the name of Rod Smith in his tweets. Shame on you. Yeah. Because you don't, you're not a professional. You are not a professional, and you don't know what effort is. Your quarterback's under duress. You're locked up. Somebody locks you up in man coverage on an underneath route, and you are, to call it trotting, would be an insult to trotting. You just quit. You gave up. Said, well, the ball's not coming to me. Hey, you know, you're a lantern holder. Shining a light on Russ. Hey, Russ, you're under duress. I hope it works out for you because I'm not going to do anything to bail your ass out. Good luck with that. Oh, a sack. <laughs> Weird. Cortland Sutton not coming back to the ball. Neither of those two guys would play for me. Wow. That is awesome. <laughs> oh, they sound like Raider fans. And it's you know so what? Great. He he could say whatever the heck he wants. Yeah, he he wants Super Bowls there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Good for him, man. I think I'm sure Bronco fans are, are happy to hear somebody not let those, you know, quote unquote stars off easy. Well, but here's the here and, and again, not to go all NFL here, but just to put a wrap on those takes, uh those those quotes, those cuts, that audio, whatever. I mean, everyone's just piling on Russ and honestly. Russell Wilson's actually playing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, there's only he's, so much you can do. He's not the problem, which is shocking. All right, uh, we got a break. We got a break. It's 11:34. So Chiefs Broncos tonight. I guess Dak's still the guy, and Danny Stutzman, media superstar. That's our audio fun from yesterday, right here on the Home of Center Fans from the Knippemeyer Chevrolet text line. Let's roll. It's a Plank Show live from Cavens Group on a Thursday with Josh on Plank. Do we need to bring back Thursday worries next week from Realtor Chris, or do you feel like we're okay for now? For now, it'd be a lot of text about the punting and special teams, wouldn't it? Yeah, special teams, run game still, tight ends. I, th- I think we could bring it back if we want to, but feel, I, I mean, could. right now we're feeling pretty good. I do. Um, S. Rob Booman writes, what's great about the Boz being back at OU is that he's welcome back because there was a time – when that wasn't the case, well, I mean, 
listen, I love Boz as much as anyone, but he did kind of take a truckload of manure and, and dump it all over OU's defense at one point <laughs> on national TV. I was like, what are you doing, man? But it's great. You know, he was just calling it like he saw it, and everyone's allowed to do that. But, no, you're right. It's a good point. Uh, Sooner Todd, difference this year, in my opinion, is time management, big-time improvement. Well, you know, Brent talked about that, and he, he was asked about it in his Monday presser. And he's like, listen, we're, we're all involved in understanding it, you know, studying different times and downs and distance and scores and looking at the numbers and when is the right time to take a timeout or when is the right time to let the clock roll. I mean, I'm telling you right now, the improvements that Brent Venables has made, and and listen, there's going to be mistakes. I just want to make that very clear now. There's going to be mistakes, uh, and it'll happen. There'll be a time when they go for it on fourth down when they shouldn't. There'll be a time whenever, and it doesn't work, or there'll be a time whenever they don't use a timeout in the proper spot. It's just it's the reality of the sport. It happens. But, like, I watch the Raiders incessantly. Our coach has no idea how to handle the clock. I mean, none whatsoever. He has no idea how to handle the clock. He has no idea when to go for it and when to not. And that dude's forgotten more football than I ever know. But through through thine eyes, allegedly, I see it. It's like he's clueless. And I think there's an arrogance to it. I think that's. I think Brent Venables has been incredible in humbling himself and saying, yeah, you know what, I need to learn more about that. I need to study that more. What What do I need to look at? Matt Wells, Seth Luttrell, Ted Roof, whenever you guys were coaches, what'd you look at? Seth, you're into, you understand the analytics side of it. Matt, you're big in the analytics side. And what can we look at? What do we need to? Jeff, you want to be a head coach. How would you handle this, right? I mean, I think it's really, it's a short text, but it's a great point. Because there was a lot of people, Josh, that really felt like that was a sign of a guy who just wasn't ready to be a head coach last year. Right? And that's where the criticism would come. Sure. And now it's been an area of strength for this team. Um, Boomer Bowtie writes, the MVP is Schmitty. The team is so much more physical than every team we've played. For the 405. What are your thoughts of G Freaky being utilized more, possibly slot, maybe running back? He has signs of possibly being a, miss, a mix of Christian McCaffrey and Edelman. Why Why they both got to be white, 405? I see what you're saying. Um, well, then why not Jaquez Petaway? Why aren't we seeing him more? I mean, I agree with you. I'd love to see more Gavin Freeman. I think he's established himself as a punt returner and a guy that's going to get some snaps when Drake Snoops, the, uh, Snoops needs a rest or when, you know, a situation arises that, you know, they they want to use him like they did on Saturday. Damn near scored a touchdown. So I hear what you're saying. But I also think in Gavin Freeman, Josh, you have Drake Stoops who's playing really well. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with another year of development for Freeman so he can be ready for that role in his junior and senior season. Yeah, and he's going to help you out yeah, along the way. He already is right now. Uh, Lloyd, well, no, hold on, on. Lloyd, I already read that one. From the 405, people want to blame Brent Venables for last year's record when you really consider how many one-position games they lost and the loss of Dylan Gabriel with the lack of talent that he actually did have. He did an outstanding job. Why? I think that was the hope, right, that it just – 
it took a year, and then that it would take getting better, better players in. And what have we seen, Josh? It took a year. They get better players in. They're 6-0, and and it's the most improved defense in college football as far as points per game allowed. Pretty impressive. Key right? areas, all of them, they've gotten better. I mean, scoring defense, you mentioned the improvement. I think UCLA is the other team that yep. uh, has made that big scoring defense uh, points per game jump. But why has OU done that? Well, third downs, they're much, much better than a season ago. Red zone defense, much, much better than a season ago. They're coming away with timely turnovers. So all of the key metrics that define good defenses, Oklahoma's you know, outside total defense could improve. They could be a little bit better there, but they've found a way, this defense, the makeup of it, to respond better than they've responded in the past. Like, the, a set of downs for them in the past would, hey, if they gave one up, now, now they're going to give up a chunk touchdown, and they haven't done that this year. They've turned around and instead forced a punt or come away with a turnover or stiffened up and forced a field goal, mm-hmm. so that's been really nice to see. Here's two good ones, Sooner Andy. Rondell Bothroyd re- deserves more love. Nothing flashy, but he is key to the defensive end's growth. He stepped up as a key and solid contributor and has been a silent leader slash mentor to the room. Sooner, Andy, it's a really good observation, man. And that's a guy that I don't think I get a chance or I, I have talked to enough. I wish I could talk to him more. I really like him. He's, uh, he's an in-depth thinker. But a lot of times, unless you have a sack or two on the edge, you're not going to be a guy that we see a lot in post-game. But, you know, just saying that I might request him for post-game next Saturday. You're right. He deserves more. And, you know, what What did we learn whenever we whenever we were writing about the, the newcomers? Rondell Bothroyd was a guy that came in, and what's the first thing he wanted to do? Win the locker room. He's like, listen, I'm, I'm going to learn this defense inside out, but I've got to win these guys over here personally. And they've done that, and it's pretty cool. It's pretty good from Boomer Bowtie. Jackson Arnold just for being on campus and allowing Levy to play play call and Gavin and Gabriel to play more freely. You know what? I've had a – it's funny because I had to take L's on this. I was like, you guys are acting like just suddenly there's not going to be any care at all and they're just going to – they're just going to go out there and just run Dylan Gabriel willy-nilly. No, it's not going to be like that, is it? Oh, yeah, it has been. <laughs> it has been. But in, in fairness, Josh, there was a lot of creativity too, right? There was a lot of – there wasn't a lot of des- – a handful of designed runs that worked well, but for the most part, it was it, it was scrambles that he made the most of. I'll have to go back and do that number. But, yeah, no, you're exactly right. I think Toby even said that on Monday, right? Game ball to Jackson Arnold – the, the confidence that you have instilled in your staff, your coaches, your teammates, they're not afraid to let Dylan run it a little bit more because they have confidence in that quarterback room. Yeah, they, they're comfortable doing it with uh, Dylan Gabriel now, again, because of what they have uh, in the backup situation. And uh, I just think probably the understanding from Gabriel and with this offense – and the necessity, right? I mean, it's a run game yeah. that uh, in other areas hasn't totally caught on or taken flight just yet. And so, you know, the one component of it that is working is Gabriel with the quarterback run game. And he was great there in the OU Texas game. Correct. And then one more. It's from Frisco Sooner who writes, guys, 
I feel like we're watching the birth of a bona fide first-team All-American and superstar in Gentry Williams. I mean, I could see this kid, if he doesn't get hurt, knock on wood, seriously being a first-round pick. He has the size and will absolutely kill it at the Combine. I seriously could see him being a top-15 pick in the draft if he continues to develop. What are your thoughts? I want to see him play. I want to see him stay healthy. That's that's number one. Stay healthy. And then number two, Josh, he, he might be their most physical corner right now. Sure. Dude looks the part, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I love what he's doing in run support. And uh, obviously the coverage skills, the instincts, all of it looks really good so far. Let's just see that sample size continue to grow. And let's see the consistency from him, right? But I, I don't necessarily disagree with any any of it. I definitely think he's going to be – Day two type pick. Maybe and, yeah, and he's got a chance to keep climbing. He really does. All right, that's fun. All right, so if you missed it, we went through our Scoonies, our midseason awards, our tip of the cap to the Dundies. In hour number two, the 10 a.m. hour, the podcast, as soon as we're done, will be up. Go back, listen to it, give us your thoughts, kref.com. When we come back, final thoughts brought to you by Primrose Funeral Services right here on The Ref. So on our, our final thoughts, which, by the way, as always, are brought to you by Primrose Funeral Service, offering prepaid memorial plans, compassionate staff. They've been providing the highest quality of care for over 80 years. Contact them at 405-321-6000 or primrosefuneralservice.com. We're going to give True Sooner the last word. But I did say, I did want to say, Josh, as two hockey guys, two puck heads, it's kind of sad to see Barry Melrose have to step away from oh, covering hockey. Oh, man. No Dude, that sucked. Um, he's battling Parkinson's. He's stepping away to spend more time with his family. Um, it's a devastating uh, disease. It's one, obviously, you, you can live with and you battle every day. But I was just, well, Pop and I would always joke that, oh, here comes their two-minute ESPN Sports Center segment they're going to give to Barry Melrose to talk hockey. And it sucks that this happens for him, Josh, whenever ESPN is making such an investment in the sport. Sure. And yet, uh, it was pretty neat seeing the reception that uh, that that unfortunate news drop received. That, I mean, Barry Melrose is hockey to a lot of people right. in, in the U.S. So that uh, the outpouring of support was pretty cool. But yeah, that was disappointing. All right, true. You get the final word today. What's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Man, I hate to hear that about Barry Mel- Melrose. I. Man, I used to watch him coach Gretzky. When he had the coolest mullet. So great, yeah. And and uh, man, that that is hockey to people my age, man. I mean, that's that's sad. To, that's that's awful. You know sad, the man. the mark of somebody that really impacted things is like you say hockey to somebody your age. He's he's hockey to somebody my age. You know what I mean? He spans yeah. generations, which is really a credit to him. Well, he was just so not. He's, and we're talking like he's he's not gone, but obviously he's he just he knows hockey so well and. He's such a, you know, he's one of the only people that really got, got everything. You know, I'm saying Gretzky. He, he he messed with Gretzky really well in a place where they, they said hockey could never be in Los Angeles um, back in the day, kind of like they said it couldn't be in Vegas. Uh, it's kind of the same thing. But, yeah, hey, I was sure. going to say, these people, these people that are complaining, are not complaining, but these people that are just automatically think, thinking that Texas is going to be in the Big 12 championship game, are they the same people that said Oklahoma couldn't compete um, last week, because I don't think it's a shoe in, and maybe I'm crazy. I've been called worse things today, but you know I don't think it's a shoe in that Texas is in that game. I mean, they're going to have to they're going to have to prove it to me first because 
They're they're down one game. They got Kansas State, they, and, and Oklahoma's not a shoe in either. But Oklahoma basically has a two game lead on Texas. So I don't know. We'll see. But I'm I don't think it's for sure that Texas is in that game. I don't either. I don't either. But I do I do have a belief that they're better. Um, and, and by the way, I appreciate the call. True. Here's the yeah, thing. He, here's what has made the fallout from Saturday suck so much, because. You can't even say now. I think Texas is a. I think they're still a good football team because then it becomes, well, should have won the game. Should have won the game. They have the game won. And you're like, ah. You can be a good football team and lose a game. It's crazy. It's wild. It's very. Georgia has changed our expectations again. Alabama had changed them, and now Georgia's like, see, you can go undefeated. It's fine. But it's not easy. And so I think Texas is a good football team. I do. And I think Oklahoma and Texas are going to play each other in the Big 12 championship game. But that schedule is much more challenging going forward for Texas than it appears to be for Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma, you could argue right now their their toughest game is at BYU and home for uh, – at BYU and at Kansas and at, and at Oklahoma State, right? Still, all three of those teams have lost games to where they've been beaten. I mean, BYU got beaten by Kansas. Kansas got beaten. Uh, whenever they played Texas. Oklahoma State got beat by South Alabama and Iowa State. So I, you know, it's just weird because I, as difficult as that sounds, I take that over what Texas has left. And oh, by the way, Texas's next game is at Houston, who's just not very good either. So I'm with you, True. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a slam dunk, but I haven't seen that third team that steps up and really concerns me in this league, unless OSU can carry over this momentum. All right, we'll debate that tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. Steelman and Thune at noon next from right here at Cavens on the Ref. We'll see you.